Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. What's up, everybody? You feeling all right? Everybody having a good day? We doing okay? Thank you so much for coming out. I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving. I hope that your food coma is subsiding a little bit. I wish my pants were stretchy. I'm kind of envious of the online campus because you can actually wear stretchy pants right now. I think most of us here at Greenwood or at Garfield Park or Banta or at Franklin, welcome to all of you. I'm sorry you are caged in your jeans right now. You got about 35 minutes. You can put on some stretchy pants. I'll try to get this done quickly to help you out. But Hey, if I haven't met you before, my name is Cody. I am the campus pastor at our Emanuel Church Greenwood campus, and I am honored to be with you today to present this espresso shot message. Now, the point of an espresso shot is not that it is part of any type of series. It's kind of a one-off, kind of a thing to give you a little bit of a, a jolt, a little bit of energy to get you out of that tryptophan-induced turkey coma that you've been in post-Thanksgiving. If you're those type of people who eat ham for Thanksgiving, I'll just continue to pray that God will change your heart at some point in your life, because that's always been kind of weird to me. But anyway, so some of you are probably wondering what we're talking about today. I know this would be a great opportunity to talk about gratitude or being thankful. It's always a good time in the year to talk about those two things, especially with Thanksgiving. But that's not really what I, what I felt like talking about today. I've been praying about this a lot. I've been thinking about this a lot. How many of you remember that message a few weeks back called Vote that Pastor Danny did all about how we should conduct ourselves during the election? I know what you're thinking right now. He's going to talk about politics. I'm going to sprint to my car. Relax. I'm not talking about politics. You think I would willingly choose to talk about politics in church? You out of your mind? I'm not going to talk about that. But I am going to talk about a point that Pastor Danny made during that talk when he said, protect your influence. Anybody remember when he was talking about that, talking about influence a little bit during the talk? A few of you, maybe you remember it online. We're going to talk about influence today and why it's so important for us, not only as followers of Christ, but for people who have not yet made the decision to trust in Christ. But first, I think it would be helpful to, to define what influence is. So this is the definition we're going to work with today. Influence being the power or effect that your words, actions, behaviors, and decisions have on the world around you. Everything that you say, everything that you do is going to have an effect on the people, the organization, the school. Everything that you say and do matters. It all matters. It all has an effect, whether it's positive or negative. But why are we talking about this right now, this year, with everything going on? Why is it important that we remember our influence, we talk about it, protect it? I think it's because we've forgotten a few key things about our influence as human beings. One, I think we've forgotten that we have it. I think we've all forgotten that we have influence. No matter who you are, what you do, if you're five years old, if you're 85 years old, it doesn't matter. You have influence in your life. You have an effect on the world around you. So that's one. Two, I think that we've forgotten that God gave it to us. Or to say it another way, God has allowed us to have this influence. And number three, I think that we're, we've forgotten that we're supposed to do something with it. 
We don't have influence by accident. This is not by chance that we have this influence. We are called to use our influence in a very specific way, and that would be the next point. We are called to use our influence to make a positive impact for the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. That's what we're supposed to be doing with our words, actions, behaviors, and decisions. Now, for those of you that are here today, maybe you're a first-time guest, and if you are, welcome. Thank you so much for coming out. Hope you had the coffee. Hope you like the scented soaps in the bathrooms. Please come back next week. So if that's you and you're new and you're thinking, man, like some dude or some lady at work just bugged me and I'm here. I'm not a Christ follower. Don't really know what we were singing about during worship. How does this apply to me? That's perfect. The reason I think this applies to you is because at the end of this message, it's my hope that you'll have all the cards on the table if you're ready or if you're thinking about making that decision to follow Christ. You'll know exactly how you're supposed to use your influence and you're, knowing, you're gonna know exactly what you're getting yourself into. So if you're not a Christ follower, pay attention. I think this could help. Now, as I was thinking about this message and I was thinking about my influence in my own life, you kind of have to do an audit of your own experience and your upbringing and thinking about how people have influenced you throughout your life, things people have said, things people have done to shape the way that you are and the way that you act right now. And I've had so many positive influences. It's been crazy. I could talk about my mom and dad for like four hours. I'm not going to do that. I, I really love to read. How many of you guys like books? Like you love to read. You enjoy reading online or other campuses. Like, do you guys like to read? I'm seeing a few hands. That's really encouraging. So I love to read, and I think it's because that is from the lovely ladies of Webb Elementary School, hashtag go spiders, eight legs, let's get them out, let's be real excited. I went to Webb Elementary School in Franklin, Indiana, ladies like Mrs. Hall, Miss Dykusen, Mrs. Harper, they made reading cool. They let me know that reading was not just for nerds, like it was an okay thing to read. To find things that interest you, it was okay to learn. It's a really great thing to learn throughout your life. That's why I love books. My mom influenced that as well because a lot of times we couldn't buy something every time we went out of the house, every time we went to Target or Walmart or whatever, we couldn't get like a gift or a video game. But man, if there was a book that she knew that we wanted, she would move heaven and earth to make sure that we had that book. And if we couldn't buy it, then she would just take us to the library and we would hang out at the library. So that's a big reason why I am the way I am and why I love to read and why I like to learn about stuff. I think about a guy like Dave Kudre. Dave Kudre, for those of you that don't know, was my football coach growing up. And this guy taught me so much, not only about football, but he taught me way more about life and how to be a great human being, a human being of honor, a human being of character, which I think is really the hallmark of a great coach anyway. Teach them about the things that they need to know from a technical standpoint, but teach them how to be a better person. Man, he was so good at that. If he showed up here today and he wanted to preach this service, I would humbly take my microphone off, give it to him, sit down, and then at the end of the 30 or 35 minutes, we would all want to run through a brick wall for Jesus. That's how motivating and how influential he was. But he would say something to us over and over and over, and it's always stuck to me like 15 or 16 years after playing for the guy. He would say, excel at the things that require no talent. If you didn't get a chance to write that down, I'm gonna say it again so you can, because if you follow that, it will change your life. Excel at the things that require no talent. What is he talking about? He's talking about holding the door open for people. He's talking about smiling. He's talking about having a great attitude, having great energy, bringing great intensity and passion to whatever it is that you choose to do, being a kind and decent human being. You do that, you will influence not only your own life, but the lives of everybody around you. Excel at the things that require no talent. So good. Think about that all the time. Like I said, I got a lot of positive influences, but I was thinking about the negative influences that I've had in my life as well. And I have had a few and I was thinking about this and thinking about how it's, it's affected me in the way that I am today. And I think that the negative, the major negative influence I've had in my life is the reason why I've never had a drop of alcohol. I was thinking about that. That was kind of crazy. For those of you that don't know, I made the decision to not drink ever in my life to be the all-time designated driver. I made that call when I was really, really young, like fourth or fifth grade, I think. 
And this decision was made well before I knew who Jesus was. I've only known Jesus for like nine years. But I was in the fourth or fifth grade, and I go to this wedding, and I'm already grumpy anyway, because when you're a chubby kid, getting dressed for a wedding is not your favorite thing to do in the world. <laughs> you got to wear clothes that don't really fit you all that well. You're grumpy. Everything's mismatched. I hated it. So I'm at the wedding, and there are all these guys on the wrestling team that I really admired and I really respected. I wanted to be like these guys. They influenced me this way. I wanted to talk the way they talked, lift the way they lift, run the way they run, wrestle the way. I wanted to do everything that they did. And so I'm at this wedding, and they get into the alcohol. And keep in mind, these are high school guys, like junior, senior year. I don't know if their parents didn't know or if they just didn't care they were too busy, but these guys didn't just drink a little bit. They, they got, like, drunk, like drunk, drunk. And one of the guys in particular, I'll never forget this, he was outside, and so I kind of gravitate outside because I want to see what all the older kids are doing. So I go outside and I'm watching him. I'm watching him urinate on the side of the building. I'm watching him throw up in a bush. I'm watching him walk around with his shirt unbuttoned, everything's hanging out, and then I watch him pass out next to a pile of his own vomit. Now, I'm not the only one that's seeing this. I got other fourth and fifth grade guys just like me in the wrestling club, and some of my friends saw this and they went one way, and what did they think? That's the coolest thing ever. I can't wait to do that in like six or seven years. I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to do all the things that these older guys do. And they did. And it had a negative influence on their life. I saw it and I went the opposite way. I saw it and I was like, I never want to do that. I never want to put my body through that. I never want to lose control of myself like that. And I never want a little kid to look at me and feel the way I'm feeling right now. Ever. Made that decision when I was in like the fourth or fifth grade. I'm not going to do this. And I haven't. And I, was all, and I have been and still am the all-time designated driver. And I provide a quality experience. Clean car, <laughs> snacks, great playlist, polite conversation, bottles of water. Like if this doesn't work out for me, Uber is calling my name. Like I'll do great. I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. But that's the power of your influence, positive and negative. It, that shaped me. That happened to me like 20 years ago. And it's still, like I'll never drink alcohol in my life because of that. What does the influence in your life look like? How have you been influencing the people around you? The things you've said, the things you've done, the decisions you've made, your behaviors, what does that look like? Like if you're a student today, what is the influence like within your school? Are you the same person at Verb? Are you the same person in small group? Are you the same person here on the weekend that you are in the hallways of your school, that you are in the cafeteria, that you are in your e-learning environment? Like are you the same person? Or does reputation and being cool and fitting in matter a lot more than influencing the people that maybe don't have the shoes you have or the clothes you have or the life you have? And on the flip side, if you're an adult, how are you influencing the students in your life? Are you making them believe that they're creative, strong, smart, capable, and that they can change the world around them? Or are you making them feel stupid, not old enough, you can't do this, you're never gonna amount to anything? Because they learn and they listen. And we have an obligation to build these young people up to be the future leaders of our communities and our world. How are you influencing them? What about when it comes to teachers and educators and people working within schools? I don't know if you realize this. Educators have had a really lousy year. Not been a great year for teachers. I don't know if we have any teachers here. I am so sorry for you and your year, especially first-year teachers. Can you imagine? But how are we influencing our teachers? When they send us the email that says, we've got to go into quarantine, we're going to go to e-learning, are you responding to them and saying, I can't believe this. You're so stupid. How could you do this to me and my work schedule? What is wrong with you? Or are you saying, man, you've had a hard year. I'm so sorry. Like, is there anything I can do to part with you to make this experience the best it can be? Like, how can we make this experience great for everybody? Do you need a Starbucks gift card? As a matter of fact, I've got one right here. What does your influence look like with teachers? What does your influence look like at work? 
I got on students a second ago, what about you in the workplace? Are you the same person here on Saturday or Sunday that you are in the office on Tuesday? Is the language that you're using in the office with your buddies and your friends and your girlfriends, is it the same as the language that you use in the lobby when you're getting your coffee? Is it the same or is it a little bit different? How are we influencing people with our words? And as, as far as following Christ, what does that look like for you? Like, what is your influence like as a Christ follower? Are you protecting it? Are you being mindful of the things that you're saying and you're doing and the decisions that you're making that people are watching every single thing that you do? Or are you not protecting that and you're just not caring about it at all? Because here's the thing that's true about your influence. As sure as you are breathing today, if you don't protect your influence, you will squander your impact for the kingdom of God. That is 100% true. And that's what we're gonna talk about today, being mindful of our influence when it comes to being a Christ follower. Or if I'm not a Christ follower yet, this is what it's gonna take and this is the power of my influence should I choose to profess full belief and total control of my life to Jesus. So we gotta ask a question before we dive into this. This is the question for the day. How can we use our influence to make the maximum impact for Jesus Christ? Now, for those of you that are joining us online or in person for the first time, for any of our other campuses, if you're a first-time guest, here's what we try to do at Emmanuel. We try to leave you with an application step. We don't want this to just be knowledge that you just sit with and you think about. We want you to be able to use this in your life to not only make your life better, but influence others around you to make their lives better. That is very important for the way that we structure a service. So when I was thinking about this, I've asked you to do a few things when I've spoken before. I've given you a few challenges and that's great. Today, this might be the most difficult thing I've ever asked you to do because as human beings, we're not very good at it. The one thing that I need you to do to, to start all of this is I need you to remember. You need to remember. Why are we not very good at this? I will tell you why. It has to do with a book I'm reading. Shocker, I like to read. Here's a book. So there's a book I'm reading called Thinking Fast and Slow. It's, a guy, it's by a guy named Daniel Kahneman. Full disclosure, I understand about every third word in this book. So it's, it's been a tough read because I'm not super smart, but this guy is. So he's an emeritus professor of psychology at Princeton University. Yes, like the smart Princeton University. And he won a Nobel Prize in 2002 for his work in economics for his work in decision-making. I don't know how smart you have to be to win a Nobel Prize in one subject and be a professor in another subject. I'm assuming he's like the smartest guy in the world, but he wrote this book and it's really fascinating. And, in, and on page 202, he talks about this, this illusion of understanding. That's the name of the chapter. And he talks about why it's difficult for us to remember things. Check this out. He says, a general limitation of the human mind is its imperfect ability to reconstruct past states of knowledge. That's a fancy way of saying it's real hard for us to remember past states of knowledge or beliefs that have changed the way that we see the world, things that enter our mind. Once you adopt a new view of the world or any part of it, you immediately lose much of your ability to recall what you used to believe before your mind changed. It's immediate. It's now. Once I get a new identity in my head, once I get a new obsession, once I get a new thing that I become so consumed with, like if I'm online, I'm on social media and I forget that I'm a Christ follower, I forget that I'm supposed to be influencing people on behalf of Jesus, now I become this political party follower, now I'm a fan of this sports team, now I'm a fan of this rock band or whatever it might be, that creates my identity and that creates the way I influence the world around me. It shifts me, it changes me, it influences me. That's why it's so hard to remember. I use the example of a guy that cheats on his wife, for example. That's why when the new girl comes into the picture, that he forgets about his wife real, real fast. And it's real hard for him to remember why he loved his wife in the first place or all the amazing things that made her attractive to him because now the new woman's in the picture and that's occupied the space in his brain. 
That's why you ask him, don't you remember what you loved about your wife? Don't you remember why you married her in the first place? He can say, well, how could I ever remember that? I got this new girl in the picture. Why would I ever love her? That's why there's only about 6 million examples in the Bible about why you should sprint away from temptation like that. Because God knows how hard it is for us to remember him and to remember his son once we get these new ideas in our head. You following? You know, it's kind of a, a tough thing to, to kind of follow along with. What does this have to do with influence? You're probably sitting there thinking, we talked a lot about memory. Where's it going with this? I would argue that has everything to do with influence. Absolutely everything. And we need to remember three key ideas if we are going to protect and use our influence to have the maximum impact for Jesus Christ. The first thing that we gotta do, we all have to do, is you have to remember who you are. Gotta remember who you are. The world is really great at getting you to forget that. They're gonna work really hard to get you to believe that you're a Christ follower like third, fourth, and fifth and all these other identities first and second. And we have to battle back against that because that's not who Jesus says we are. Jesus says we're not a follower of a certain political party. He says we're not a follower of a certain athletic team. He says we're not a follower of a certain band. Jesus had something very specific to say to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. Listen to, listen to how he describes this. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Now, if you're not a Christ follower today, you probably heard that when people say, oh man, you're the salt of the earth. You're a really good dude. You're really great. You're awesome. You're a really nice person. That's not really what Jesus is talking about. What do you know about the property of salt? What happens to salt when it touches anything? When it touches any piece of food, what happens? The food changes. The food is influenced when it interacts with salt. Salt is incredibly influential when it comes to food whether it's pizza, pineapple, pork, whatever you got, like salt is going to influence whatever it touches. And you are the same. And when he says you are the salt of the earth, he's saying you are the best influencers that, that we have created. You're the best influencers we have. You're gonna do far more to advance the kingdom of God than a wombat or a warthog. Like I'm relying on you to carry this message out. You are my primary influencers. But then he talks about losing influence as well. What good is salt if it has lost its flavor? What good is influence if you jack up your reputation? So again, going back to the guy that cheats on his wife, if you cheat on your wife, is your influential level gonna be the same before you decided to make that decision? Probably not. Now there is forgiveness and there is grace, of course, in that action from God, but people are way more fickle. People hang on to that. You may never get that influence back. Can you make it salty again? Can you ever really be as influential as you were before? Maybe, but man, it's gonna take a lot of work. It's gonna take a lot of ownership. It's gonna take a lot of forgiveness. The best way to avoid that in the first place is to keep our identity rooted in who Jesus says we are and not who the world says we are. I'm reading this book right now about salt. It's not a joke. I'm reading a book about salt. It's got a really creative title. It's called Salt, A World History. It's written by a guy named Mark Kerlansing. He had this to say about salt. He said, salt is so common, so easy to obtain, and so inexpensive that we have forgotten that from the beginning of civilization until about 100 years ago, salt was one of the most sought-after commodities in human history. It's fascinating. Isn't that kind of the same with our influence and how we perceive influence? Because for a while, like, influence was something that we, we really protected. We did a really good job of that. And now you get on social media, and everybody is a social media influencer. Everyone's trying to use their social media accounts to make money, to get you to think a certain thing, to buy a certain way. And some of that's not all bad. People got to make money. People got to make a living. I really understand that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about when it comes to our influence. 
We are called to make a positive influence in the world around us with our words, actions, behaviors, and our decisions by remembering who Jesus said that we were. That's the purpose of our influence. We have to remember that this is a precious commodity, that God gave it to us and we're supposed to do something with it. That is who we need to remember that we are. Once we can remember our identity, it will allow us to progress to the second thing we need to remember, which is we need to remember what you said you wanted. Remember what you said you wanted. What am I talking about here? When you profess that you want to follow Jesus Christ and you make that decision that you want to be a Christ follower, you are saying that you want certain things. When you profess that you want to follow Jesus Christ, you are saying, I want a life of influence. Because to live for Jesus Christ is to influence the world in his name so that we may glorify God in the process, make ourselves as low as we can and bring people to the love and hope of the message of Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of our influence. You said that you wanted that. And we have to remember that. Tom Ryan's a head wrestling coach at Ohio State University. He talks about recruiting these star athletes to his program. These guys are coming in, they're hot shots, they're the best of the best, the best in their state, and they wanna be part of all this winning culture. And they're saying all the right things on the recruiting trail. I want to be a part of a winning culture. I want the workouts to be super hard. I want to be surrounded by the best and on and on and on. Then they get to Ohio State, one of the best programs in the country, and what happens? They get the brains beat in by guys that are like four and five years older than them that have had four and five more years in the weight room. They're world-class athletes. They're puking in a garbage can like you would if you got drunk at a wedding. And they're going through all these different things. Then the assistant coaches will come beside them when these athletes are saying they're about ready to quit. And the coach will say, you said you wanted this. This is what you said you wanted when I was at your house. This is what you said you wanted when we were talking on, on the phone. You said you wanted this culture, this difficulty, this challenge. We said the same thing when we said we wanted to follow Christ. When you say that you wanted to follow Christ, you wanna leave your sinful ways behind, you wanna follow Jesus, you wanna live the baptized life, you come out of the water and you're saying, I'm leaving my sinful ways behind, I wanna be accountable to my community, I want everybody to know that I'm a follower of Jesus. You said that you wanted influence because now your mission is to bring people to Jesus. That's what you said you wanted, right? When you decide that you want to follow Jesus, you have committed to keeping the peace with the world around you. You're not going to be someone that incites division. You're not going to be a jerk on social media when people disagree with you. You're going to be somebody that kindly asks questions, someone that kindly engages with them because they may not know who Jesus is. And if I'm rude or if I'm a jerk, I'm going to isolate them from the message of the gospel. If you've forgotten this idea about peace, look at Romans 12, 18. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Notice it doesn't say anything on here about being right on social media. Makes no mention of that. You said that you wanted this, right? When you said you wanted to be a Christ follower, you committed to fulfilling the Great Commission. Help people come to Christ and grow in Christ. I want to be on a relentless pursuit of those people in my life that don't know Jesus. Some of you are thinking, I don't know Jesus. What is the Great Commission? So glad that you asked. Let's go to Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, that's you, by the way. Watching online, all of our campuses, anybody here, that's you. If you're a Christ follower, a student of Jesus, you are a disciple. So pay attention to this part. Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Go, use your influence. Tell them about me. Go, use your influence to people that don't know me and bring them to me. Go, use your words, actions, behaviors, and decisions and tell them about the things that I have done and who I am. Make disciples of all the nations. That's a job that will last you the rest of your natural life. That's a lot of work to do. 
That's influence. That's what we've asked for. Not only that, but we need to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We must teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. What do you know about really great teachers? Great teachers have influence. Why? Because they put relationships with students ahead of the curriculum and the material. They're able to get down with them and use their words, actions, behaviors, and decisions to create a relationship with them so the student trusts them so that they will learn from them. Our job is to do the same thing with people that don't know Christ. Use your influence. Teach them the ways of Jesus. That's what you said you wanted, right? If you can remember who you are, if you can remember what you said you wanted, that will allow you to progress to the third step. And this one, this one's a big one. Remember what's at stake. Got to remember what's at stake. What are we doing all this for? What is at stake? What is the primary reason that we must remember our influence for Jesus Christ? Who are we doing this for? To put it as simply as I can, we're doing this for people. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. We're doing this for the lost. What's at stake are the souls of men, women, and children who don't know Jesus Christ. And if we don't identify these people, if we don't influence them in a positive way, if we don't show them the love and the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus Christ has shown us, there's a very real possibility that when their time on earth is done, when they breathe their last, that they will spend eternity apart from God. That is why we do everything that we do. That is what should be influencing our words, actions, decisions, and behaviors every moment of every day. It matters. That's what's at stake. I want you to think about this verse in Matthew 16. You've probably seen this before. How many of you have seen this verse or you've talked about this verse before? It's, it's something we talk about quite a bit. Jesus is saying, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Think about it this way. What do you benefit if you win a fist fight on Facebook and you lose influence with that person that you were a jerk to and they don't follow Christ? What do you benefit? What do you benefit if you're the star athlete and you get drunk or you make a fool of yourself in class and people that don't know Jesus Christ look at you and they see your Emmanuel shirt and they think, oh, he's a hypocrite. I shouldn't follow Jesus. He doesn't mean what he's saying. What do you benefit? What do you benefit if you, lose, if you use foul language in the workplace and you're inviting people to come to the Emmanuel Church Christmas service and they look at you and like, I thought you said you believed Jesus. I don't think Jesus is the type of person who would use foul language all the time. Like, what, is, what am I benefiting if I do that, if I'm using my influence just carelessly and not thinking about Jesus in the process? Do I benefit anything? No, I'm actively losing souls. I'm doing the devil's job for him. Is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than the souls of the people who are lost that don't know Jesus Christ? No, not a thing, not ever, never. Nothing is worth more than those people. That's why we exist, to bring those people to Jesus, to influence those people in that way. And yet, there are some of us that don't believe that. There are some of us that would take almost an opposing stance to that idea. You might have seen these people online. You might have seen these people on social media. You might have seen these people on TV shows. Maybe they're famous personalities. Maybe you are this person. If you are, it might feel like I'm getting on you a little bit. I apologize, but sometimes it's not bad to have people get on you. That's okay. Sometimes people conduct themselves in this way. Maybe you've heard this. You know, I'm, I'm just gonna be who I'm gonna be. I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna say whatever I wanna say because I, I only report to me. I'm only accountable to me. And if you can't take that, if you can't handle the truth and my honesty, and if you can't handle me being so real, and if you can't handle how raw I am, bro, if you can't handle that, well, you can just unfollow me. 
Or maybe they'll say it this way. It's okay if you disagree with me. That's totally fine. It won't hurt my feelings. You can go ahead and you can unfollow me. Unfollow me. That, that's fascinating. I'll tell you why. Because I think it's the exact opposite of what we've been called to say. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Like you're going to stand before God when you die. Like right now you're going to be standing before God. And when you do, you're going to have to give an account of every idle word that you say. Every single thing you say or you've done. Every single way you've spent your influence. And I'm betting that this is going to come up in conversation. I'm assuming God may put it to you like this. Like, hey, what's interesting is I gave my son, my perfect son, Jesus Christ, to the world as a sacrifice so that you would not have to spend eternity apart from me. That's why Jesus came, to die on the cross for influence. One act, one selfless act, once and for all time, he came and gave his life so that you could go out and make disciples and so that you could tell people about him and so that you could bring glory and honor to my name. That is literally the entire reason for your existence, to glorify me and tell people about my son. Your life is influence. And you had the opportunity to influence people in your little sphere, in your school, in your workplace. And what did you do with it? What did you say to those people? How's that conversation going to go? That's going to be tough. Because when you tell people to unfollow you, you're missing the point entirely. Our whole life is influence. The, the entire existence of Jesus Christ, his life and death was for influence. That's the whole point. And if you're telling people to unfollow you, you're missing it completely. I want you to look at Luke twenty-two forty-two, And some of you have seen this verse before as well. This is Jesus talking to his father. It's the night before he goes to the cross. And we talk about the cross a lot here and for good reason because that one selfless act changed the world. It influenced people for the rest of humanity. One act, one day. We talk about that a lot, but we don't often talk about what Jesus went through in the garden the night before he went to the cross. I think a lot of us feel distant from Jesus at times because we think he's so unattainable. He's so much further away than we are when it comes to the way he lived his life. But here's the thing about this idea and the conversation he had with his dad. He agonized before he went to the cross. He felt depression. He felt anxiety like you. He felt nervous like you. He wanted to give up this suffering like you. He wanted to not take advantage of his influence just like you did. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Sometimes I don't read this like it's Jesus talking to God. Sometimes I read it like it's a boy talking to his dad. Dad, they're gonna hit me. Dad, they're gonna, they're gonna hurt me a lot tomorrow. Dad, they're gonna beat me up. They're gonna punch me in the face. They're gonna pull my beard out. They're gonna whip me on the back with things I've never even seen before. They're gonna tear the flesh from my body. Dad, they are going to hurt me. If there's any way that I can protect this influence, if there's any other way that I can save the world, that would protect me from this pain I'm about to go through, then let's do it because I really don't want to do this. What separates Jesus from us is that Jesus was willing to die for his influence. Listen to what he says next. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus never told anybody to unfollow him and it cost him everything. Jesus wanted everyone to follow him not for his own will. If it was his own way, he never would have gone through that. 
He would have said, you know what? Take the influence, I'm done. Don't unfollow me. But because it was the will of God, he took that pain for us. So when you tell people to unfollow you, you're missing it completely. This, this is why we do this. This is the will of God for people to follow us. I want everybody to follow you. I want them to follow you right into these seats so that they can hear about Jesus. I want everybody to follow you right here for a Christmas service so they can hear about the amazing life-transforming message of Jesus Christ. I want everybody to follow you on social media so that they can see the services that we post. I want everybody to follow you and it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the lower KC. It has everything to do with following Jesus Christ and who he was and the characteristics that are being lived out through you every single day so that we can glorify God in the process. When you say unfollow me, you make it about you. It's never been about you. It's about Jesus. That's what's at stake. Jesus understood that. Now it's time for us to understand that as well. Last question. Will you remember your influence? Will you remember it? If you've been someone who hasn't really paid attention to it up to this point in your life, there's an opportunity. You can remember it and you can protect it and you can start thinking a little bit differently today, like right now. And if you do remember your influence, how's that gonna impact you and how's it going to impact the people around you? What's it look like if you remember who you are inside of Jesus Christ, who Jesus says you were? What does it look like if you remember that you're salty and you have influence? You can influence everybody around you. What does it look like if you remember what you said you wanted when you said that you wanted to follow Christ? You have perfect clarity. You know exactly what you're here for. What does it look like when you remember what's at stake? I think it means that we're gonna be more mindful of what we say, what we do, how we act, and how we behave. And when we can do that, when we remember those things, we'll remember what Jesus did for us. And we'll have complete clarity on the path for our life. Now, if you're not somebody who follows Jesus today, I told you to stick with me because I felt like you would have all the cards on the table. Now you have all the cards on the table. Now you, as someone who doesn't follow Jesus Christ, you know exactly what it costs to follow Jesus. Now you know that following Jesus is not a passive experience. You're active and you're involved every single day. To live the life of a Christ follower is to live a life of activity. It is not to live someone who sits on the sidelines. You have influence and you are expected to use it. And man, that's a big responsibility. It is a big ask. Some people aren't ready for it yet. And that's all good because I would rather you to count the cost and count what it's gonna take to be a follower of Christ. Because once you're in, you're in and we need your head in the game right now. Because that's what it costs to influence people in the name of Christ. It costs complete devotion, complete love and complete obedience to him. Now you're gonna fall short. You're not gonna get it right every day. I fall short all the time. Ask my wife. Like she'll tell you, like he makes mistakes all the time. He's a big dumb animal. But to follow Christ is the most influential position you're ever gonna have in your life. And it's the best position you could ever have in your life. Jesus Christ really lived and he really died for you and he didn't have to. He could have been anything that he wanted. Instead, he chose to be the most selfless example of human sacrifice in history. That's why we still talk about him today. That's why churches are built in his name. That's why people gather on the weekends to talk about him because of what he did. He lived a sinless existence and he died for you to cover the sins of all mankind so you wouldn't have to spend eternity apart from God. He really did that. And you have an opportunity to spend your life with him. The one who conquered death, the one who rose from the grave three days later, you can spend eternity with him and the father. You can do that today. You can make that decision. You can go to Jesus right now 
You can ask him for forgiveness of your sins. You can ask to follow him. You can ask for his influence for the rest of your life. If you're ready to make that decision, if you are ready to use your influence in a way that will have an eternal impact on the lives of people around you, and just take these words I'm about to say, make them your own. You pray to Jesus right now. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I accept this perfect gift of sacrifice that you've given me. Jesus, today, I trust that you died on the cross for me. Jesus, I trust that you rose from the grave three days later for me. Jesus, I trust that you gave your life so I wouldn't have to spend eternity apart from God. Jesus, I am so thankful and I ask you to forgive me of my sins today. Wash me, make me new. Help me to be one of your children. And Jesus, I ask that you help guide me in the way that I use my influence for the rest of my life. Jesus, it is in your name I am eternally thankful and eternally humble. I pray this in your name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, and if you're ready to hop into this new life of influence, let's give it up for these people right now. Let's celebrate, this is a big deal, big deal. All right, boxes right side up, step one complete. Okay, if you have just prayed this prayer and you've accepted Christ, we are so excited for you. And we wanna give you a gift for starting this new journey with Jesus. If you would just text the word SAVE to number 65248, we wanna send you one of these bright orange boxes. Inside the box, there's a coffee mug. Coffee is a big part of our church if you're a new guest. We wanna send you a New Believer's New Testament Bible and a reading plan so that you can get started on your walk with Jesus and he can begin to immediately influence you through scripture today. Can we give it up for these people one more time for what God is doing in this church?